Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Lisa H., and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from Tennessee. Today is Wednesday, August the 2nd, 2023, and this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. Today, we're reading from the big book. We are on page 97, the fourth paragraph that begins for the type of alcoholic and ends on page 98 with, this may seem inconsistent, but we think it is not. Today's readers, thank you for your service. Um, In August, 12 Traditions, Esther F., The 12 Traditions, Joni C., readers of the text, Chris G., Vanessa G., and Reba P., Our newcomer greeter is Anne-Marie M., and our second-hour host is Ramona A. The reference numbers for yesterday, Tuesday, August 1st, 2023, for the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting is 20,492. That's 20492. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting is 20,000. 493. That's 20493. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Esther F. to please read the 12 steps. Good morning. This is Esther F., a recovered compulsive overeater from Cleveland, Ohio. The 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrong. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12. 
Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service. My pass. Thank you, Esther F. And I will now ask Joni C. to please read the 12 traditions. Good morning. This is Joni C. Um, from Minnesota, a true compulsive overeater. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personality. Thank you, Joni C. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone in order to have a quiet meeting. Everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book. We are on page 97 in the chapter, Working with Others. We'll be reading and commenting on the fourth paragraph that begins for the type of alcoholic who is able. 
and ends. This may seem inconsistent, but we think it is not. And I'll now ask Chris G. to please begin reading. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. And good morning, everybody. Okay, so uh, the uh, page 97. Uh, for the type of alcoholic who is able and willing to get well, little charity is in the order... Uh, in the ordinary sense of the word, is needed or wanted. The men who cry for money and shelter before conquering alcohol are on the wrong track. Yet we do go to great extremes to provide each other with these very things when such action is warranted. This may seem inconsistent, but we think it is not. So um, this paragraph, uh, probably has a lot to say about a lot of things, but what I saw uh, on this page, page 97, it asked the questions, uh, 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 am I doing too much uh, for them? Am I doing too much for this person? And uh, what are my motives and what are my excuses? So for the type of alcoholic who is able and willing, now you might have an alcoholic who is able but not willing, and you might have an alcoholic who is willing, but not able. And for me to uh, act as if I know is, when I act as if I know everything, I'm thinking that I'm God and I'm not God. So I have to insert the word maybe. Maybe this person is able and willing to, uh, to get well, and maybe not, and I don't know. I don't have to know. And that gets me away from being judgmental. So I think this is all about accepting the person where they are at and maybe, uh, you know, putting, putting the word, uh, thinking that the person has the word sick on their forehead and treating them as if they are a sick person. And that means that I'm giving them empathy and sympathy and understanding and not judgmental. So uh, I have to be willing to uh, plant the seed and, and then let God do what God's going to do. And uh, so this disease is a disease of, of um, more, want more, want more, not satisfied. And I, and I hope that, that I can uh, uh, be an example of, of uh, uh, not uh, pushing somebody to be something that they are not. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Chris G., for getting us started. And although we value your experience, we do ask that you limit your shares to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. So if you've shared on any of the vision meetings on Monday or Tuesday, we ask you to hold back this morning. And who would like to share on what was read? Linda R. Linda? Lisa D. Lisa? Linda D. Linda D. Barbara P. Barbara P. Rena B. Rena?
Okay, this is what I have. This is what we'll start with. I have Linda R., Lisa B., Linda D., Barbara P., and Rena B. So Linda R., you're up, followed by Lisa B. Linda, press star one. We can't hear you. Linda R. Hi, can you hear me now? Uh, sure Hi. can. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much for your service. And um, I just, you know, really, I was listening to um, Linda R. Recovered Upstate New York. Anyway, um, this paragraph really, like, made me start to think about different things because, you know, in my re- in my recovered life, you know, I use a lot of things are transferred. So, like when I work with a new person, you know, first of all, what came into my mind when I was listening to the reading is that, you know, some of the principles that I apply in my in my daily life, like each group is autonomous, declining outside contributions. So what is autonomy? When I'm working with a sponsee, you know, um, I let them have their own autonomy. They need to be separate from me. I can't get enmeshed in their lives, you know. What's my goal? My goal is to really take them through these steps to the best of my ability with my, you know, I have, you know, more depth and weight to give today than I had when I first came in many years ago. And then the other thing that was I was thinking about was, you know, to just let each person, you know, have their own journey. You know, I can't, nobody, you can't push a person until they are ready, you know, so like just really like, and in step 12, it says, you know, having had this spiritual awakening as a result of the steps. So working the steps, you know, there will be an outcome, there will be results. And then, you know, and to carry the message, you know, to carry this message to the best of my ability. But, you know, then I need to live that life. So I'm also, you know, I'm working with someone now on the traditions, you know, like working with people, like I take them through the steps, and now I'm taking her through the traditions. So to really get like more insight into how to take someone else through. But yet, I can't make another person be recovered. They have to really want it and do it, the desire, and to really um, work the steps. So, you know, the other thing is that, you know, I do live a principled life. It is my higher powered source. So, you know, I say to myself when I'm working with someone and there's like a glitch in, in the recovery process, which principle do I need to really focus on? So, you know, brotherly love or... Am I not having enough faith or do I have, am I hopeful? You know, all these different principles. I always say to myself, Linda, which principle is God telling you that you need to focus on when I'm working with other people? So that's how, you know, I've come to believe in this program. And um, many of the, most of the promises have come through for me. I'm still working on my own recovered life. And um, hopefully now, you know, I can share and give to another person. So but let them have the dignity of their own choices. So thanks for allowing me to share. Thank you, Linda R. And Lisa B., you're up, followed by Linda D. Good morning. My name is Lisa B., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in South Carolina. And thank you, Lisa, for everyone that's doing service. You know, I was out for my walk this morning, and the word provision God providing was just in my head, in my mind, and how God truly provides. But I had to get to a point in my own recovery where I could really see that God provides for me. God really, really provides. And I can go to that provision when I'm working with others and I can ask for guidance. You know, God knows that person. And I don't always know. And I was looking at the reading 
this morning in that word charitable, you know, that means to be generous. And it's relating to assistance to those in need. And I have to pray for wisdom. Is this person truly in need? I don't always know. You know, sometimes I I still don't know. I, I have no idea. I don't want to be judge of them. But I can pray, can I be helpful to this person? Can I be useful? And I can pray that each day, you know, not even regarding those I'm working with, but just, God, show me how to be useful today, the situations that, that maybe I can be helpful or useful in. And um, I was also thinking of that word ordinary that they use in the paragraph. I don't know if they're an ordinary person in need. I don't know if their needs are ordinary. You know, I have no idea. Uh, but some people have more needs than I'm able to give. And that's why I'm so grateful this is a God-focused program. It's about a spiritual awakening, a dependence on others. I can't remember if we've gotten to that place in the chapter, working with others, but there is a place where it says it's dependence on God, not on people. And in working with others, it's really sharing a message of hope that this works, that if you are a real compulsive overeater, I am too, but I'm recovered now. I do this comfortably. I do this for the most part happily. It's not white knuckle. It gets better. It truly gets better, and it works when we work it. But I don't have to carry them. It's just to to share that message. And I teach people how to treat me. If I am doing everything for them, they're just going to come to expect that. But sometimes that's my selfish need. It's like I get some sort of thrill out of doing something for somebody else that they could do for themselves. But I learn by bumping my butt along the way. And that's what happens with sponsorship. So I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Lisa B. And Linda D., you're up, followed by Barbara P. Good morning, everybody. This is Linda D., and I am so thrilled really, to be with you, and grateful, beyond grateful, to be recovered, but not cured from compulsive eating, because it's a treacherous, treacherous disease. Um, What I want to say is how grateful I am for this meeting that is teaching me the contemporary and more useful way, useful way, to... um, help people, to sponsor people, or guide people. I only have what I am, and what I am is God-centered, and I work at that really hard. Um, You wouldn't think after a number of years that it's hard to do that, but it is, Um, because I don't always have the resources for myself. I've had a problem getting food in here that type of thing. Um, So I go to God for everything. And sometime in the past, years ago, because I've been in OA since I was 38, so that's 41 years, um, we um, did way too much for people. I'm glad I was kind. That's what I get out of it. I was kind. I cared. I truly cared for people but it didn't always help them. But it often helped them, but it drained me. So it's it's an art. There's an art to this. And this is the place to learn it. This contemporary way of sponsoring, of helping people is very 
um, you don't carry the person. You don't even attempt to do that. I'm a guide to God. I put their hands in God's hands, if that's what they want. Lots of times they don't want that. It's uh, That's what I mean about treacherous. People get fooled, tricked every day in the week of by this disease. And it's a sad sight. I'm grateful to be here with you and to be recovered and recovering because it's a process. There's tremendous hope here. I have a life second to none, no matter what goes wrong, because I'm God-centered, and God is magnificent, truly magnificent. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Linda D. And Barbara P., you're up, followed by Rena B. Hey, good morning, everybody. Barbara P., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Atlanta, Georgia. I kind of hear two key messages in this, and I don't know, I could be, it just could be interpretation, but, you know, I do hear, first of all, the men who cry for money and shelter uh, before conquering alcohol are on the wrong track, and I hear more, you know, sponsees that are uh, crying for a better relationship or a different job or things like that, and they're blaming that before they can, you know, get sober. And really, that's not the truth of it. And and we know that. But I also remember when I came in thinking it was all those things that were the cause of my eating. If, if, I, if you only understood my problems, you'd know. You'd eat too, right? So there's some of that. So some of that is just also being gentle as someone has their own experience. Because a lot of my sponsees believe it is what's going on in their lives, and that's okay. I, I don't I don't try and dispel that so much, but we just still try and let, let's work on abstinence. Let's work on getting sober, and then then we'll deal with all that stuff. Um, and this kind of reassures on that that they're just on their own track. It's okay. Just let's just deal with getting sober. That's hard enough. Um, the other thing that though I hear is. Yet we do go to extremes to provide each other these things when such action is warranted. And I have had sponsees who literally really did not have the the right funds for abstinent food. Sometimes it's a little more expensive for the things that they needed with their food plan. And I, this challenges me. Did I go to any kind of, did I take action there? No, I didn't. I didn't send money to anyone. I didn't. Perhaps I didn't work hard enough. This seems like a direction that if I can, without hurting my family, that I might be able to help people some with this in a way that they can't, that they don't have. But and so I, I think it's also a challenge that am I doing really everything? It's, we go to great extremes. Am I doing everything, not even just money, but any kind of anything, shelter, those things? I think I just want to challenge myself a little bit more. Um, I don't know, you know, what other programs are doing with this now, but I imagine if somebody really needs a place, they take them in. Am I willing? Am I willing to do that? And I just think it's a good challenge to throw out to myself. Um, This does look a little bit like a direction. And I don't know that I go to extremes. I do with time and with as much caring and love as I can manifest. But I don't necessarily share money, shelter, or other things like that. So um, anyway, 
I think it's it's food for thought this morning. Thanks. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Barbara P. And Rena B., you're up. This is Rena from Texas. And this is my first time sharing, and I've been listening for close to six years, but I've never shared before, so I'm a little bit nervous. And everything I wanted to say was already said, but I can't see how I can put that in my own words. Uh, Yet, the men who cry for money and shelter before conquering alcohol are on the right, a wrong track, yet we do go to extremes. And I, and I was thinking, yes, uh, it is the spiritual life that we need or that I need in order to, to work with my addiction, but I know that my environment very much influences how I do it. And I know that it influences uh, the addict. It makes working the program harder if I have to, uh, to think about all of the needs that, that um you know, I am not able to conquer today. It makes my working the program so much harder. And so, anyway, um, thank you for listening. Thank you, Rena B. And we are on page 97. We are reading, we have read, and are commenting on the fourth paragraph that begins for the type of alcoholic who is able and ends, this may seem inconsistent, but we think it is not. Who else would like to share on what was read? Ken WH. I heard Ken WH. Sean P. Elena P. Elena. Heidi L. Heidi. Anyone else? Okay, here's what I have. Ken WH, Sean P, Elena C, and Heidi L. Ken WH, please share with us. Ken, we can't hear you. Thank you. I'm here. (laughs) There you go. Pushing buttons. Anyway, <laughs> thank you. I'm Ken WH, uh, Recovered Compulsive Eater from North Carolina. And just um, one phrase sticks out to me and says a whole lot in a simple way. The men who cry for money and shelter before conquering alcohol are on the wrong track. Well, before conquering alcohol, I don't conquer anything. <laughs> I don't have the power. I don't have the power to conquer anything. So, yes, I'm obviously on the wrong track if I think that getting a few things in order, money and shelter and relationships and everything else that goes with it, in order that I will conquer alcohol or food. And that's just the wrong 
track. If I don't have by now, uh, this far into the program, uh, if I haven't come to terms with the fact that I'm powerless and uh, God will do the conquering in me, um, then I'm definitely on the wrong track and I'm headed for a fall. So that's just my take on things, and I uh, thank you for letting me share. Have a good day. Pass. Thank you, Ken WH. And Sean P., you're up, followed by Elena C. Sean, press star one. Good morning. This is there Sean you are. P. Oh, thanks. Calling from uh, calling from California, bright and early in the morning. I um, I've heard it said that codependency can be defined as wanting something for somebody else more than they want it for themselves, or loving somebody more than they love themselves, and this paragraph kind of reminds me of codependency that, um, you know, it's possible for us to, to love our sponsees too much or maybe better said to, um, to act in a way that is supporting them or, or doing too much for them, I think is what the paragraph is talking about. And, um, what it reminds me of is, um, my intention in, my sponsoring and needing to check my intention when I'm sponsoring to be sure that my intentions are, are true, are helpful and being useful. And so, you know, what are the intentions that get me in trouble as a sponsor, right? When I am trying to do something to, uh, to try and prove my own worth, to try and do something that's going to make me feel better about myself. And it's tricky, right? Like it's sometimes hard to notice um, what is, what is what. So, you know, there's a, there's a process we have, you know, the 12 step process that helps us look at our intentions and look at our actions and deduce the problem and see what, um, where we're coming from. Um, So, And then I'll just say, as far as um, financial support goes, uh, you know, I was just talking to a fellow last night, and we talked about how there are some people who can't necessarily afford this abstinent food. It's expensive, you know, especially people who are unhoused or um, who are uh, down on their luck financially. And so what would it be like for us as a fellowship to be willing to, you know, sponsor somebody and take them out grocery shopping for a week's worth of food, you know? is that something that we can afford as um, those of us uh, among us who, who do have means. And so, um, anyway, just really grateful for vision for you. I, I don't get up this early very often, but uh, I just, I love this community so much. It's um, saved my life and my recovery in a lot of ways. So, and I'll, I'll just make a pitch for the, the phone list that's on the website um, for folks who don't know. There's a phone list you can register for and get numbers. I've used numbers nationwide. When I've been on the East Coast, I've called Vision for You Strangers and uh, and just said, hey, I need a program call. I'm out here on vacation or on a family trip. And, you know, you all have answered, and you've um, answered my calls, and I'm really grateful for that. So thanks, everybody. Have a great day. Thank you, Sean P. 
And Elena C., you're up, followed by Heidi L. Good morning. Uh, my name is Elena C. Uh, from South Carolina, recovered for today. Thank you, Lisa, so much. Nice to hear your voice. And thank everybody for their comments. And um, thank you all for being here on the line this morning. I, um, you know, the idea of um, getting someone in my house, getting maybe paying some, um, I was not, I mean, I was not exposed to that kind of help. Um, I was not given the opportunity to provide that kind of help. But I certainly hear the message. I certainly hear the message. And for me is, you know, I'm going to help someone without expecting something in return. Truly just a desire, a, a genuine desire for them to get well. There's many, many ways to do that. For example, if I get someone in my house, you know, I can... Um, I can write a contract with them. I can, I mean, there's a lot of things to work through. Certainly what I don't want to do, which this paragraph is emphasizing, to enable someone, to enable someone. Because the first sentence, little charity in the ordinary sense of the word is needed or wanted for those who are willing. And what does that mean? You know, those who are willing, they, even if you give them, you know, a convertible, I mean, I'm sorry, those who are not willing, even if you give them a convertible, they're just not going to recover. It's the time, you know. Um, charity is coming from inside of them. That's what I hear in the first sentence. It's the charity that comes from a spiritual power um, and the spiritual power that is healing so I can give, I can get people in my house. I can give them the money. I could just do everything. And when they're not there, then it, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. And then the other thing is, how does that affect me? Because I can, I have a, um, I can, I have a history to, to being selfless, meaning that just lose myself in the other person, you know, and it, it's a good it's a good time to pause and, you know, reach out to my higher power and see what my higher power wants me to do. Um, you know, and I, I'm grateful for this program. I have both Elanon and this program, and I am practicing a balance, a balance, a balance, a balance. And the best way to practice the balance is continue to ask for guidance in this area. Guide me to find the balance so that I can be of help for others without this balance because you know when I um, give and give and give it's also a form of control and I don't want to do that today I want to give the other person an opportunity to form a relationship with their own higher power because only their own higher power is going to provide the charity not myself and with that I'll pass thank you so much Thank you, Elena C. And Heidi L., please share with us. Hey there. <laughs> My name is Heidi L. from Toronto, Canada. Uh, March 1st, 2020, I started to listen to this meeting, and that's when uh, I'm and be here live. And that is my abstinence state, uh, this abstinence state. And the main thing I need to remember that is 
in fact, if God could remove the food for me and God could strike me abstinence, God can also take away my self-pity and my loneliness. I have enough of everything. Um, but I just get into this self-pity place and I can't do anything. Um, so with God's help and program and the 12 steps, uh, the food was taken away and I now have peaceful abstinence and I can also take away, I, with God's help, will be able to have my my loneliness and my self-pity taken away as well. Thank you very much for everybody being here. Thank you, Heidi L. Um, again, we're on page 97, the fourth paragraph. It's at the end, of the very bottom of the page that begins for the type of alcoholic and ends, we think it is not. Um, who else would like to share this morning? We've got lots of time. Alice W. Alice. Diane B. Diane B. Sherry D. in Maryland. Sherry D. Anybody else? Kathy S. Kathy F. Okay. I have Alice W., Diane B., Sherry D., and Kathy F. Alice W., you're up, followed by Diane B. Hello. Yes. Um, is this Alice? Oh, good. Heavy. <laughs> hi. Hi. Sorry. Um, Alice W from North Yorkshire in the UK. If I'm shouting, I apologise. I've got sort of stuff in my ears. <laughs> um, yeah, like this. Paragraph, I wasn't really. I didn't. Couldn't think of what to to share. And then it's the end of the paragraph. And I just had this memory of in my old program, like in my old recover, not old program, same program, but old recovery when I had abstinence. And this is when I had absence, when I was working the steps with my sponsor at the time. I just remember I was in a situation where I was being made homeless. I had no, and this is all in recovery and absence. I had no uh, curtains or like blankets. We were freezing. I had a one, two and a three-year-old. My husband had left. And um, it was all in the way to like God's work. Like it was all happening. But what happened is, she just like she was moving house anyway and she just gave me curtains she gave me blankets and all the things she didn't need and what I felt from that situation is I the love of God uh, coming through her and I saw God through her and then now like if I see someone in that situation it's, it's my experience can help others then I will give them blankets and I will give them if they need curtains you know and with freedom and material possessions is just like it, it, the meaning of it for me was seeing the kindness of God through her. And it, it, it sort of, I felt, it really helped my recovery. I felt um, the comfort of God, the comfort of um, and how this program is so abundant. Um, I love what someone shared about the weekly shop, you know, week's shop. Um, you know, and God provides, it's infinite and it's abundant and it's God's love. And, um, and I'll never forget her kindness. And I want to pass that on so that someone else who's sort of in abstinence, but like, oh, you know, feeling a bit scared, you know, just knows that they're supported, they're feeling loved. Um, and it just, 
yeah, all that. And she had been through the similar situation to her I had with, you know, her ex-husband. So she she got it, you know, and um, and it was wonderful. And there was all sorts of evidence of that in my life where I saw God was working to get me to, you know, to, well, another rock bottom, actually, that's another story in food. But, um, yeah, now where I am today, I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for this programme, incredibly grateful. So I'll just leave it there. Thank you. Thank you, Alice W. And Diane B., you're up, followed by Sherry D. Good morning. Excuse me, Lisa, thank you so much for your service and everyone who helped to keep this meeting going. I'm Diane B., gratefully recovered in New York. And, um, excuse me, what I was thinking about as we were reading this and as I'm listening to other people is that Yes, there have been times when I have done um, service above and beyond what I would consider to be for a sponsee. Um, however, I felt like it was mandated um, or warranted. Um, one time I had a friend sleep at my house for a few days during a heat wave because she didn't have air conditioning. One time I took a sponsee to the grocery store with her grocery list and showed her how to read the label. Um, Another time, someone stayed at my house for like two or three weeks after surgery because she lives alone and she needed to have some some help. However, in that particular instance, the person did not maintain her abstinence and was asking me to do her grocery shopping and wanted me to buy foods that I don't eat um, and that are, well, whatever. Anyway, um, and I had to do it. All I could do was recover and, and be there for her. And yet I still, I got her whatever was on her grocery list, you know. That was something that um, I felt, you know, I agreed to have her in my home. And so I agreed to do that. Today, it's a little bit different, I think, because most of my sponsees are not local. I think I only have one local person. The others are all through, um, you know, uh, the phone or FaceTime or whatever. And so I'm not really asked to do things other than just guide a person through the steps. And, um, you know, things have really changed in the past few years. Most of my meetings are not local. Only one of my meetings a week is local. Um, You know, again, so I think that this is really um, situation specific as to whether or not we go that extra mile or do something other than just guide a person through the steps. Whether a person is willing and able, I have no idea. I mean, obviously, the person that was staying at my home and wanted me to buy the other foods was not willing. Um, And as it turns out, she is willing and able now because I saw her recently and she has told me about her recovery today. So, um, you know, I can't judge. I just know what I have to do what's in front of me and um, take the next right action. So thanks for letting me share. With that, I'm going to pass. Thank you, Diane B. And Sherry D., you're up, followed by Kathy S. Thank you so much. Good morning, Tribe. Sherry D. in Maryland, um, compulsive overeater. Yeah, I'm really enjoying these shares this morning, and, and several things have sparked in my mind. Um, and I can only share my experience, strength, and hope. So here goes. <laughs> Um, I had about nine years recovery in another program, and I found myself sponsoring quite a few women 
And I was feeling a little bit overwhelmed and confused and reached out to my sponsor and shared with her everything that was going on. And she said, well, you know, I go to Al-Anon. Did you know that? And I said, of course I did. I knew you go to Al-Anon. And she said, yeah, I go to Al-Anon because of the women I sponsor in this program. (laughs) And I was like, oh, hold on just a second. Yeah, that program is all about being around people in addiction. And I started going to some Al-Anon meetings, and it seriously helped me in setting boundaries and finding balance. You know, sometimes I get so laser-focused on one thing that I forget that there's several options out there for help, several tools that I can pick up to put into my belt to help me throughout the day. And I found that extremely helpful at that time. And I still go back to those those um, things that I learned being around people who were constantly trying to live their lives with people in addiction around them. And um, yeah, I just found that super, super helpful. But yeah, I've shared my experience, strength and hope here and working with others. And yeah, I did a lot of things that were not the best ideas in thinking I was helping with other people. Um, I need to make sure that I am on track with my relationship with my higher power, focused on God-centered rather than ego-centered and allow him to guide me through the day. And when I ask for his guidance, it always works out well. And I will keep coming back. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Sherry D. And Kathy S., please share with us. Thanks, Lisa. This is Kathy S., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Georgia. And um The sentence that really stands out for me is the first one for the type of alcoholic who is able and willing to get well. Um, The idea that comes up to me is, first of all, the ability. What does it take? Um, I have to be, in in my case anyways, I I was desperate. I I had to really know myself as a powerless compulsive overeater. I had to know my alcoholic foods to be in so much pain living this way. Um, And I also had to have the capacity to be honest about it, right? The big book even talks about that. And then, and willing, willing to take action, willing to surrender those alcoholic foods and not pick them up, to take, to make outreach calls to recovered fellows and find out, you know, more about them and what they're doing, sticking with the winners, you know, and learning, always learning, being open-minded. I had to and I still do. So the willingness is still part of my program um, and attending meetings, getting up early to meet with God, doing 10 steps today when I am disturbed about anything, praying about everything, calling newcomers, working with others, giving this away, serving on meetings, sharing experience, strength and hope, even as a newcomer, you know, and um, when, when I am able and willing to get well, um, little charity is is needed or wanted. And that's what it, my experience was too. My sponsor did not have a bunch of rules, regulations. She didn't have a lot of homework assignments. I didn't need that stuff because when I was ready, God, I had to learn very early, dependence upon God is my is the only solution for me. 
and and it didn't you know she gave me her time yes um, we met for 30 minutes five days a week until um i reached 10 11 and 12 and and now we still keep in contact but not on a daily basis and because my contact is with other fellows in dependence upon god so when i am willing to get well and and um it's just the first step of giving up and being a victim and taking responsibility for myself um as best i can and just depending upon god and his power to to help me <laughs> to to bring me into this place of of a new life that is worth living today and uh, i'm just so grateful for this program and for the fact that it didn't require much um at least for me on the part of of a sponsor um other than love and patience and kindness and all the spiritual um characteristics of someone in recovery and uh with that i pass thank you thank you Kathy F and we we have time for two two maybe three more shares but anyone else like to share this okay. morning Who's Lynn from Lennon. Texas? Katie G. Oh, Katie. Sorry. Yeah, that's okay. And there was one other person. Lynn Renee H. from Montreal. Lynn Renee. Okay, let's go with those two. We'll see how much time we have left. Katie G. followed by Lynn Renee H. Hey, Lisa. Hey, everyone. Katie G. Recovered Compulsive Eater. I was reading for the next three paragraphs because there are some rock star paragraphs that talk about me and my alky priorities. You know, when I came into the rooms, I wanted to be married. I wanted to have a great job. I wanted to have children. And I didn't understand that none of these things could happen if I wasn't putting my priority, my program first. And I actually think that there's a lot more that I can do for sponsees than just go into the book. I've had women walk on the scale with me. I've had women go to the grocery store with me. They, they can't afford to pay for my groceries. And I'm going to be honest, I don't know what that's like. And maybe I shouldn't be speaking because I don't. But I do think that there are a lot of things we can do. We can help each other get into hospitals. We can support each other when we are in hospitals. We can, um, you know, teach people how to cook for themselves. I mean, I didn't know how to cook when I came in. I knew how to microwave tempeh, and that's all I ate. And today I have people who hold me accountable for buying fish. That may not seem like a big deal for you, but for me, an orthorexic, an anorexic, I don't want to eat fish. I want to eat fat-free food all the time. There's so much that we can do for each other. Yesterday, a fellow held my hand when I was terrified about feeling so obsessed with myself and my body weight. She helped me remember that God is it. And over the next couple paragraphs, friends, we're going to get our butts kicked with these words, you know, putting program first, putting God first. Somehow, for 16 years, I have been told when I put God first, when I get the food in order, when I am making the phone calls, when I'm making the broccoli, when I'm doing the drill, when I'm reading the big book, when I'm getting on the scale, when I'm talking to my sponsor, the drill, when I put that first, everybody, everything else becomes second class. And I, as a drunk, I can have alky priorities now. Like, did you know that I can be sober, considerate, and helpful regardless of what anyone says or does? 
Do you know that I don't need to be married in order to get abstinent? Do you know I don't need to have children? And I want to put those things first. But the A12 and 12 says we have to put spiritual priorities over material progress. And when we do, I mean, I'm a living example. When I have, I mean, I'm in the suburbs now. I have a husband. I have kids. And I'm not showing off. Those are all blessings from God. But it's because every single day I show up with the God's loving grace to what this program mandates for me to do. I am so, so, so grateful to have my priorities in place today. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie G. And Lynn Renee H., please share with us. Hi, guys. Lynn Renee H. from Montreal, Canada. Thank you so much for being there in service and in shares. I heard uh, one of the speakers says uh, um, kindness. And I know for a fact, for me, it's 100% sure that this malady is a malady of fear, of not being enough, not being good enough, not being lovable enough, not being anything enough, and especially not cute enough, not sick enough. Like the, I'm never enough. And uh, when the person shared kindness, I find that that's what I know now uh, as a fact for my, my recovery. It's been almost uh, almost 10 years. And the kindness for me is like an antidote to fear. And yes, God can show me kindness, but I need you guys to show it to me intact, like in real life. And it's by a handshake when I come to a meeting. It's with a member who came to my house and showed me how she does her budget because I wasn't able to. It was, how do we get this program? How do we get, how do we let go of things? How do we accept things? Like it's easy to read in a book, but how do I do that in real life? Uh, detachment. Oh my goodness. How do you do that? What a weird concept <laughs> that I've never learned in life. But my God, is it a gift for me when I'm able to do it? And um, I think I've, you know, everything is just fine as it is, that's for sure. But I did have a, a really great um, sponsor for five years, and every single, week, every single day we would talk for an hour in the morning. And in COVID, she just left the program. Like one day she was there and one day she was not. I fell so high from from so high and to so low. I was like all weird and all, I, I was afraid again. And that's where I learned that, well, first of all, you can never not be a good sponsor because you're always learning. And I've, I've learned also that... Um, you know when we say, uh, I, I will put my hand in yours? Well, I've learned that one hand is for a sponsor and one hand is for another person in the fellowship. And if my hands are not busy helping, being kind, uh, trying to uh, get in touch with my God through all of your kindness and all of your love, well, my hands are going to be busy doing things to hurt myself. Because I, I had to remember. Thank you so much. And with that, uh, I wish you a really lovely day. 
Thank you, Lynn Renee H. And thank you to everyone who shared this morning. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today, Wednesday, August 2nd, the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting is 20,495. That's 20495. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Vanessa G., will you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Hi, everyone. This is Vanessa G., recovered in New Mexico. This is our vision for you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will disclose, will constantly disclose, more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.